After 6 a.m., good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yeah. 
I feel I gotta, uh, I gotta speak. I gotta say something after that song. After all, he is the star of the 2017 Kosher Halftime Show. Yeah, he is. He's Arya Kunstler, and we are. Let's see, what are we? How many days away? Today's Friday. We are two days away from the um, production known as Kosher Halftime Show 2017 being released to the public. With a big thank you to all of our sponsors: Shari Tzedek Medical Center, Nefesh Benefesh. The Jewish Star, Great Kosher Restaurants, Got to Get a Bagel out in the Five Towns, Courtside Grill in the Five Towns, our wonderful hosts out there, Mayor Kruder of Kruder Photography, uh, all the sponsors of the Kosher Halftime Show that have uh, made the big production possible. I think you'll certainly enjoy the show that was done at Courtside Grill, R.E.A. Kunstler and the Evan Al Orchestra. You'll certainly enjoy the commercials. I've seen some of the commercials so far, and I think they are brilliant. Much different than the commercials you'll see on Fox on Sunday. That I could tell you. Much different. And uh, much more meaningful also, by the way. The ones I've already seen, lots of meaning for our community. Uh, so get ready. Kosher Halftime Show. We'll announce the winner of the Abels and Hyman uh, Barbecue Grill, 22-inch Barbecue Grill uh, contest coming up about 7.20 this morning. Uh, State Senator Simcha Felder is going to join us. Ishai Fleischer will check in from Israel. Lots of stuff going on on a Friday, a busy Friday here at JM in the AM. Aryeh Kunstler had Bill Vovey off the NCSY Bencher app. I think we have him coming up again in the next couple of seconds with the NCSY Bencher app. Uh, yeah, lots of Aryeh Kunstler this week as we lead up to the Kosher Halftime Show. Diaspora had Shabbat Shalom. You heard Mimi Me done by Simcha Liner. Benny Friedman's Ivrianochi. Ani Israel done by Gershon Veroba. And of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Friday on this February 3rd, day 7 in the month of Shvat, a week from today, our two Bishvat special. A week from today, our two Bishvat special. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candlelighting time 457 in these parts, 457 in the New York area. 27 degrees outside with 50% humidity, winds west at 7, mostly cloudy today with a high 36, clouds tonight, low 23. Sunny for Shabbos, a high 36, Baruch Hashem. Yerushalayim is at 50. We're at 27 degrees here in uh, New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. And as I said, plenty more coming up, including this, the NCSY Bencher app starring Arye Kunstler. You're tuned in to JM in the AM. <laughs> 
עטרת בעלה, גם ברינה. with Yaakov Shweki that's called Bowie Kala you heard Baruch Levine and Bowie before that Mordechai Shapiro's Kimal Achav Eitan Katz had Mizmor LaDavid Menucha V'Simcha from Aryeh Kunzler he is by the way the star of the 2017 Kosher Halftime Show being made available to everybody this coming Sunday during the big game pay careful attention to the NachumSegal.com website to the um, NSN app uh, where the audio will be uh, playing at about 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, NSN app, and of course on our Nahum Single Network Facebook update page, it'll be posted. Share it. Share it and uh, make it go viral around the world. It'll be a worthwhile performance. Let me let me tell you, your friends and those who you uh, communicate with via social media, they will thank you. They will absolutely thank you for getting them the um, Kosher Halftime Show 2017 edition. So that happens this coming Sunday night. We announced the winner of the grill contest about a half hour from now. Uh, we've got the, um, uh, we've got the, oh, I want to announce the winner of yesterday. Michael from Waterbury, Connecticut won the uh, gift card that we gave away for, um, uh, for Eden Walk in honor of the Milt's Barbecue uh, pop-up that was going on at Eden Walk in the city yesterday on 34th Street. Thank you to Kevin, Elon, everybody who made that a really exciting middle of the day for us. Uh, with the live lunch, that was really a cool. Uh... Yeah, one thing we did learn is how quickly our staff can get to and from Eden Walk. <laughs> I think we have to. <laughs> I think we have to include them in the live lunch more often. Frankly, <laughs> we didn't realize how uh, how easily uh, one can get back and forth. And it was nice. Uh, a couple of listeners came over, and we were schmoozing about the uh, Milts Barbecue um, pop up. Uh, yesterday. Uh, getting toward the top of the hour, news from Israel, of course, coming up. It's Erev Shabbos, Parsha's bow, candle lighting at 4.57. On this uh, Erev Shabbos, uh want to wish a, a very special Mazel Tov to uh, Chavi and Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Uh, we are going to have the privilege of celebrating a beautiful family Simcha this Shabbos. Uh, when I say family Simcha in this case, I mean the Hagler family. And we are very much looking forward to it. Yitzchak David's uh, bar mitzvah. Yitzchak David Hagler's bar mitzvah is taking place uh, tomorrow morning. And we get to celebrate this Shabbos with Chavi and Rabbi Chaim Hagler and their extended families. Um, 
We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And we are very much looking forward to a beautiful celebration this Shabbat. Uh, by the way, speaking of Simchas, want to wish a Mazal Tov to Gila Klibanoff. Rabbi and Mrs. Klibanoff and family are celebrating the big bat mitzvahs coming up on Shabbos. Gila Klibanoff Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Meanwhile, we've got this selection for you before we wrap up the hour. Shalshelis Jr. to close out the first hour on a Friday morning at JM in the AM.
the AM. Salcellus Jr. with Rifainu wrapping up hour number one on a Friday. Arab Shabbos Parsha's bow, candlelighting 457 in the New York area. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com. It's the NahumSiegel Network. And of course, on our beloved NSN app. That's Salcellus Jr. Galay Tzal in the background. News from Israel is coming up here at JMM. נשיא ארצות הברית דונלד טראמפ מבהיר לאיראן, אני פחות נחמד מאובמה, ומזהיר, טהרן משחקת באש. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. בציוץ בחשבון הטוויטר כתב טראמפ, איראן כנראה לא העריכה את הנחמדות של אובמה, והכריז, אני לא מתכוון להיות נחמד, כלשונו. דבריו באים על רקע ניסוי שביצע איראן בתחילת השבוע בשיגור טיל בליסטי, צעד שהפר את החלטת מועצת הביטחון של האו"ם. אמש דווח כי ממשל טראמפ מתכוון להטיל עיצומים נוספים על טהרן, בפריז נסגר לפני הצהריים מוזיאון הלובר אחרי שגבר צעק על לאו אכבר ותקף במקום חייל צרפתי. כעת שקט שם. כתבתנו טל זרביב. התוקף הגיע לפתח מוזיאון הלובר, חמוש בסכין ובמצ'טה, ופצע באורח קל חייל צרפתי ששהה במקום. כוחות ביטחון פתחו באש לעבר התוקף ונטרלו אותו. מוזיאון הלובר נסגר לאחר האירוע ברחובות בסביבת המוזיאון נחסמו לתנועה. ראש ממשלת צרפת הודיע כי על פי הממצאים, המניע לפעולה היה טרור, זהות התוקף ומוצאו עדיין לא ברורים. ישראל ממשיכה להחזיר לפלסטינים גופות של מפגעים, מדווח ג'קי חוגי. גופתו של חוסיין אבו גוש, בן 24 מקלנדיה, שביצע פיגוע דריסה ביום רביעי שעבר, תוחזר למשפחתו במוצאי שבת, כך על פי מקורות פלסטינים. אבו גוש ניסה לדרוס חיילים בתחנת אוטובוס בכניסה ליישוב כוכב יעקב. הם ירו בו וסיכלו את מזימתו. הוא פעל במלאת שנה למות בן דודו חוסיין, שרצח את שלומית קריגמן בישוב בית חורון. אסון ליד מרכז המבקרים במצפה רמון. תייר נהרג לאחר שנפל מגובה. הנה כתבנו רמי שני. הגבר נפל מגובה של כמאה מטרים אל תוך המכתש, לאחר שככל הנראה מעד כשהיה על שפת המצוק של מרכז המבקרים. צוות של יחידת החילוץ מהר הנגב, בסיוע של אנשי יחידת החילוץ מחיל האוויר, הצליח להגיע אליו ונאלץ לקבוע את מותו. מדובר בתייר שעתה נעשה ברור לגבי פרטיו האישיים והנסיבות שבהן נפל. מזג האוויר, התחממות קלה, בלילה עדיין חשש מקרה, ולידיעת חובבי השלג, הדרכים לאתר החרמון וממנו עמוסות מאוד. מעדכן מגלגלצ עורך התנועה בני כבודי. כביש מספר 98 נחסם לתנועה ממג'דל שמס עד אתר החרמון. בכיוון ההפוך, ליורדים מהאתר עומסי תנועה כבדים לכיוון צומת מסעדה. כביש 99 עמוס משניר לכיוון צומת מסעדה. עד כאן מגלגלצ. אלה החדשות שעורכת נעמה שוחט על הביצוע הטכני, הילה מזרחי.
highway. Oi, oi, I've lunged. I didn't know. Right, left, straight ahead, or turn around. Suddenly, a voice spoke to me. Oh, it was music to my ears. It opened my eyes and calmed me down. It was the sweetest word I heard. The voice said to me. Abramel, that's Avram Freed here at JM in the AM. Friday morning with candle lighting at 4.57 on this Arab Shabbos Parsha's bow. Hello, hello to everybody around the world. Don't forget we have an incredible Arab Shabbos music mix right after Naomi Nachman's program. Naomi's on at 9 o'clock. After that, it's going to be the uh, incredible Arab Shabbos music mix, including an Arab Shabbos live lunch at 12 noon Eastern time with Mark Zamek. There is no better way... We have investigated. Trust me, we've spent countless hours on this issue. There is no better way to prepare for a Shabbos than with our Arab Shabbos music mix than with the Nahum Single Network acting as your soundtrack for an Arab Shabbos. You're in your car, you're in your home, you're in your office, you're heading from one place to another, running errands, etc., etc. I saw Dr. Hirshhorn last night. He loves the idea. He loves the fact that every time he gets into his car, our app automatically turns on through his uh, Bluetooth system. Just loves it. Friday, in and out, constantly getting our Arab Shabbos music mix, getting everybody ready for Shabbos. So there you go. It's as simple as that. You do that, and you'll be all set with um, with the uh, best Arab Shabbos music mix you're ever going to find. Simple as that. Um, we have to announce the winner of the Weber Grill, courtesy of our friends at Abel's and Hyman, as we uh, lead up to the Super Bowl and the big... Kosher Halftime Show. We will do that coming up next at JM in the AM. Matam amigin shipshalik 
Well, we did promise that we'd announce in the 7 o'clock hour the winner of the um, of the contest. We had an amazing contest this week sponsored by Abel's and Hyman for a 22-inch Weber grill, uh, a Weber barbecue grill, and hundreds of responses. And I thank everybody who, um, who entered the contest from a lot of different places, New York, New Jersey, states all around the uh, country. Uh, the uh, winner, as chosen randomly... Uh, the winner is listener Devora L. of Brooklyn, New York. The winner is listener Devora L. of Brooklyn, New York. Winner of the uh, Weber 22-inch grill. Thank you, Abels and Hyman. Thank you, Seth Levitt. 
uh, party ideas and uh, recipes for Super Bowl Sunday available from Abel's and Hyman. If you go to our Facebook page, Nahum Siegel Network, and we are getting ready for the big kosher halftime show this coming Sunday uh, to be watched by many, many thousands all around the world. We're looking forward to it. Our wonderful friend, and he is, in fact, an incredible friend of the Nahum Siegel Network, uh, New York State Senator Simcha Felder, who represents the 17th Senate District in New York State, is with us live via telephone. He's been involved in a um, in a situation uh, this week, and, and way beyond this week, but this week it came to a head, um, representing, I would say, the consumers, the residents, the regular folks of New York State. And we will explain coming up. Uh, Senator Simcha Felder, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Wonderful to speak with you. I, I hope this is not going to be as contentious as your encounter with the mayor of the city of New York this week. I don't think anyone can have a contentious discussion with you, except <laughs> if it's something about Israel that's not strong enough. I think that's the exception. Well, that's quite a compliment, and I thank you for it. Uh, to bring everybody up to date, at some point, and I don't remember when it was, but you could brief us, at some point, uh, it became a uh, an idea, an idea that uh, continued to gain momentum, that a bag tax be inflicted upon the residents of New York City, meaning that uh, if you'd go to a supermarket and they'd give you a bag, a plastic bag, uh, you'd have to pay five cents uh, for each one of those bags every time you shop. Am I giving a an accurate description of the proposal? Yes, especially the word inflicted. Yeah, they are inflicting us, and I'm a New York City resident, as That's you know, right. as are you. All right, uh, so, so at what stage are we at now, and why was there, in fact, a contentious uh, a battle or conversation, dialogue, between you and the mayor of New York on this issue this week? Well, uh, first of all, the issue of bag taxes has been a, a virus, I'll call it, that spread throughout the country. And I would say that although uh, only people in the 17th District can vote for me, but the issue itself affects people outside New York in any, any state that does not have one already, because once New York City gets it, everyone else around here is going to get it as well. But the, the mayor... This issue started during the Bloomberg administration. They proposed it, but after discussions with many people, uh, including myself, they withdrew that proposal. The city council and the mayor, I would say in the dark of night well, a year ago, passed a, a bill that would require anybody getting a bag to pay a nickel. Right. And the issue with this is that the mayor consistently and the new I would say the new very, very liberal city council believe that the only way to solve problems is to either fine people, ticket people, or tax them anytime. There's no such thing, I don't know about you, but if I'm short on cash, I don't mean cash in my pocket. I mean, if I don't have the money to spend, I have to tighten up somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, that's the solution. I don't have anybody to tax. The city of New York and other cities, anytime they want to, they want to be able to spend more money or on other things, they, that's how they do it. This is a, a ridiculous and really outrageous methodology, and that's, it's, it's that way many places, where, where the mayor of New York says, well, we want to save the environment, so the only way we could save the environment 
is by eliminating the usage of plastic bags, which, by the way, Nachum, accounts for only half of a percent of the waste stream problem that they're talking about. But let's, let's agree that's a problem. So the only way to take care of that is by eliminating it. And how are you going to eliminate it? By being punitive. Right. Now, the state has a law on the books for years that has never been enforced by the city, which would require stores to have bins outside or anywhere they want where people could recycle bags. In addition, I would just say, I don't know about your house, Nahum, but in my house, uh, we have a stash. Those bags are, are, they may not be recycled, but they're used over and over and over again until they die. Right. So... So the, 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 the argument really, I'm sorry, Nachum, it took me five minutes to answer your question. I'm just <laughs> so excited to be on the show. You're, you're making such an unbelievable point because I'm saying to myself, there used to be right here on Grand Street a bin where people could just bring plastic bags and people who want to use them uh, for whatever reason, whether they're walking their dogs or schlepping an item, uh, can go ahead and use And that used to be full. If you give people an opportunity to save and reuse, they're going to do it. But but that's why the whole thing is baloney. The issue is not about recycle. They want to ban the bags because there are certain environmentalists. And when, this is not a debate about whether people want to hurt the environment. I mean, we right. grew up. You don't waste, yeah, nobody period. Wants, right. Nobody wants you know? to hurt the environment. Yeah, so, so the point is... This is about the mayor or somebody else wanting to be a hero with the environmentalists or the same way he wanted to be a hero by the people who are opposed to the grid. Uh, Central Park, you know, with the carriages, right. horse carriages for the animal advocates. And then when they fought Uber, the mayor fought Uber for the taxi limousine people. I don't, you know what, I shouldn't try to figure out why. But... What was outrageous, uh, what was unconscionable is that during the debate, I should say debate, I asked him a few questions. He never answered the question. He just never answered the question. I asked him why you have to charge people a nickel. Why don't you give them back a nickel? You know, the, the city distributes all kinds of material that are at, up more expensive than a nickel to encourage certain behaviors or certain, you know, they spend a lot of money. They spend $5 million to secure the ball drop on New Year's Eve to, for security. I wouldn't take that away. But right. if they can spend all that money, give for once in a lifetime. Why don't you stop taxing people, ticketing them, fining them? Give them back a nickel to encourage not using. Give them reusable bags. Educate people. There are so many positive things. This is like, uh, you know, I, what I said to him was that, this is like a kid that that you even haven't you haven't even tried to discipline in a positive way, and you just go over him and whack him over the head over over and over and over again. Now, uh, okay, a couple of things. First of all, not that this is about our community because obviously it affects everybody, but in our community, you could attest for, to the fact that <laughs> you know, some of us could walk out of a store with fifteen plastic bags easily if we're if we're feeding our family or you know doing a weekly shopping. So, right. So that and, that's number one that adds up and I know that that affects other communities as well. But even, right. but even more importantly, in terms of the procedure right now, because some of the citizens of New York who are listening to this I'm sure want to fight back and have their voices heard, is it too late to do that? Oh absolutely not. Absolutely not. In the Republican led Senate 
uh, thank God, we passed a bill to stop the city from New York, uh, city of New York from doing this. And in fact, in the assembly, they are working on something. I mean, we have great, great leadership on this thing. The, I think the speaker is, the speaker Hasty is interested in doing something about it. The sponsor of the bill, Michael Cusick, you have Samanowitz, my friend Michael Samanowitz from Queens, and Steve Simberwitz and Assemblyman Hike, and so many others that are involved in this. So I think, but the best way to do it is to address the person responsible. Call 311 and say you want to lodge a complaint uh, to Ms. Mayor de Blasio about this big tax, and that ask him that it shouldn't be done. It should be done. They Again, Nahum, we're not arguing about whether something should be done or not done to help save the environment if there's a problem. But as Senator Lanza from Staten Island, who you and your brother know well, said, so let me understand this. I'm quoting him. I'm just not imitating his voice well. Uh, He said, so let me understand. If you pay a nickel, you can kill the turtles. But if you don't pay, you can't kill the turtles. That's what he said. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's illogical. It's just illogical. So So you're you're saying the best plan of action, 311 logical complaint against the mayor that he's he's continuing to progress this whole concept of a bag tax in New York. That's correct. All right. I hope that people follow because I think I agree with you that this is outrageous and it's got to be stopped. I hope that uh, it's not too late. You've encouraged us today by telling us it's not too late and that we still can act and uh, hopefully uh, not have a bag tax in New York City. Someone, by the way, in um, on our app has just commented there in Montreal, stores charge five cents per bag, and now they want to ban the bags completely. Okay, you see, that's what I told you. Yeah. This is not about, this, this is about, look, I, I'm in a business of politics, right. which is Sheka entirely, or very often, very often. So they tell you they want to do one thing, the real intention is to do something else, and thereby become heroes to certain parts of the community. Right. Simple as that. Uh, New York State Senator Simcha Felder. Simcha, thank you so much for joining us. Continued luck fighting this amazing fight, and uh, Shabbat Shalom to you. Shabbat Shalom to you, and thanks so much for having the radio on the Internet and pushing it, pushing it, because us lonely people on Parkville Avenue had a very hard time getting the reception on the radio, and now it's literally as as though you're sitting in my living room when you talk. You have made my day. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Bye-bye. New York State Senator Simcha Felder, he's always fighting a great fight. And always with our community in mind. Friday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up at JM in the AM. Shabbos <laughs> <laughs> 
Ben-Zion Twersky with that selection um, here at JM in the AM. By the way, uh, we spoke with um, uh, New York State Senator Simcha Felder on this whole bag tax issue. Uh, I just wanted everyone out there to know uh, that um, this whole this whole um, a conversation that I was referring to between New York State Senator Simcha Felder and the mayor of the city of New York, Mayor de Blasio, is available, which took place in Albany, is available for you to watch at simchafelder.blogspot.com. Again, that's simchafelder.blogspot.com for any information you need. And um, there you can see the entire video that we have been referring to. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is normally with us at this time. The weekly update normally at this time here at JM and the AM. Uh, every single Friday morning, and um, because we we had mentioned last week that there's a likely uh, possibility, and that became a, a definite possibility, uh, that he would not be able to join us because of his travel schedule this week in Europe uh, with the um, with the conference of presidents. So the weekly update, normally on uh, Fridays at about 7:40 Eastern time. Uh, it will return Bezrat Hashem next week on Erev to Bishvat here at the JM in the AM. All right, so that's the uh, that is the um, that is the situation with the weekly update. I've asked uh, the unbelievable Yishai Fleischer, spokesman for the Chevron Jewish community, and somebody who always gives us a very interesting analysis of what's happening in Israel, to join us. Yishai Fleischer, spokesman for the Hebron Jewish community, is right now in the holy city of Jerusalem. And he joins us live via telephone on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow at JM in the AM. Yishai, shalom, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Nachum, great to be with you. And I can't believe that I'm uh, 
in in Malcolm's spot. That's like <laughs> that's like uh, I'm like sitting in the in the Rosh Hashiva seat or something. It's not it's not right. I'm, I I don't know if I can handle it. It's bigger than me. I'm sure he would say you're too kind, but <laughs> but very nice of you to point out. Aisha, I, I got to start with this. I I, I must admit. Uh, you're probably thinking what made Nachum Siegel think of Yishai Fleischer this week. And as I'm watching the scenes from Amona, I am saying to myself, you know, a, a real big thinker, somebody who understands the big picture of not only Jewish history, but the perspective of the Jewish future as well, no doubt looks at what happened in Amona this week probably differently than I did. What were you thinking as you were watching Israeli forces evacuate and basically, uh, you know, be in charge of an expulsion of a Jewish community in Amona? I think it's a fair question, uh, and, and I think that, that, that a person could get very disheartened about the project of the Jewish state, uh, about Israel and Zionism, the return of Jewish people to the land of Israel. It's one thing when you have Nazis or any other enemies that the Jewish people have faced for the last thousands of years, you know, doing these things to us, kicking us out of the proverbial Anatevka, I, 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 you know, that, that's one thing. But then when, when you have your own Jewish forces, Israeli forces, with the flag of Israel on their helmets or on their uh, uniforms, uh, doing this, this thing, which is not only was it, uh, not only was it a stupid thing to do in, in the sense that it empowers the jihad, uh, it, it, uh, it destroys the Jewish community in the land of Israel. It's certainly not what the God of Israel intends. Uh, it was also practically uh, unjustifiable because um, the Supreme Court really ruled to ev- evacuate and evict the Jews of Amona based on very flimsy evidence uh, that maybe there is some Arab landowner there and on a very small part of, of the Amona community. Uh, and if even if that is true, which it was really not proved to be true, the simple answer in every country, in every normal democracy, is compensation. You pay money yep. for whatever land you built on with good faith. Well, stop, for, uh, stop for a second there, Yishai, because we brought up this point this week, you know, eminent domain, compensation, etc. Why is it that we don't behave in that manner? Why is it that the government of Israel in that way does not behave the way most governments would? Right, so so uh, that that is the question, but I want to just sharpen what you just said right now, which is it wasn't really the government of Israel. The government of Israel and the police and the and the police powers of Israel were being um, kind of controlled by the Supreme Court. Really, the question is where is the justice system, and especially the Supreme Court, which is the the law of the land. Uh, you know, in in our modern state of Israel, the Torah is not the law of the land. It's it's the it's the laws of the state of Israel, right. which is an understand which is understandable. It's a, it was really built originally as a secular state, and uh, and its laws are a hodgepodge of of you know various democracies. But in any case, why is it that the Supreme Court did not act? Uh, in in accordance with with norms of other democracies is really unknown. That's one of the reasons why why people are so upset about it. I mean, the the they postulate that this uh, kind of liberal elite um, wants to preemptively strike against a community that can replace its way of thinking um, with with a, with, a, with a different way of thinking. Now, the analysis I'm just telling you right now is, is much deeper than what you're going to read in the New York Times or anywhere else, meaning, meaning to say that there's really a cultural war here, right. and that's what's, what's behind this, and not what frontally seems like a land dispute with some other owner, because we know the simple answer 
that would happen anywhere else if such a case would arise, which is compensation. By the way, just to make it clear, no other ab landowner was clearly proven. The the actual provenance of of the land, the actual ownership, was never really was never really proven in court, and therefore, you know, on, on, every, on every level, people are just scratching their heads and asking themselves, uh, what is this all about? But but your original question was, how does a person who has a uh, you know a bigger vision for the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and the and the era of the Third Commonwealth, how do you? How do you swallow this all because you could get very, very disheartened? And I know also that, that when you're sitting in America and you see these images, it, it colors your whole perspective of, of what Israel is. Right. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that, um, I don't know if it's the truth, but my hope and my opinion is, is that um, it's a little bit like on Yom Kippur. You have the service inside the temple, and then you also have the scapegoat, the, the Sir Lazazel, and uh, according to many uh, commentaries, that that Sir Lazazel is a kind of uh, kind of sacrifice to kind of um, uh, get the dark forces of this world to to look away, to kind of like get distract feast them, on, uh, feast on a sacrifice, so that we could get to, to the job of the real thing. The, the Jewish people uh, are expanding in Judea and Samaria. We're coming home. We're, we're having a lot of children. Houses are going up. Um, I just had guests from Australia here. They said uh, they said to me. I have never seen a country where so much is being built at any given time. It's right. just constantly being built. And so, yes, the destruction of Amona is absolutely a grave and horrific injustice. It was also an incredibly stupid thing to do with the advent of a new American president, right? It's like this is the signal that we're sending to him. Hey, hey, Donald Trump, uh, what we want to do in Israel is destroy Jewish communities. Let's keep going with that, right? So that was the opening salvo of, of you know, our move during his presidency. Not very smart, not, very good, not a very good move for us. Uh, but what I think is, is that the, the dark forces need a little bit of appeasement. Uh, there was a little bit of appeasement to the Supreme Court of Israel. There was a little bit of appeasement to the Europeans or to you know, uh, other forces that want to see the, the jihad, that want to see Judea and Samaria destroyed. But the much bigger project moves forward. And that's, by the way, why here in Israel there wasn't a super radical um, explosion of emotion, right. but a, a rather uh, you know, tepid one, a timid one, really because people understood this is a very sad and, and wrong and a grave injustice that was perpetrated, but it's relatively small as compared to the much bigger project. J.M. and the A.M., Yishai Fleischer with his live via telephone from Jerusalem weekly update returns next week. Malcolm Holmline traveling today. Um, with, with that in mind, your statement about the new president, I don't know what the level of enthusiasm was in Israel in general uh, with this election. It's hard to gauge. You could probably tell us more uh, in terms of whether people were realistically thrilled or unrealistically thrilled. But we do see now that the White House warned Israel yesterday to cease settlement announcements that are unilateral and undermining of President Trump's efforts to forge Middle East peace. This according to a senior administration official told to the Jerusalem Post. Do you, and, and, and you just mentioned what you did about Amona. D- does the activities or, or the type of uh, activities like Amona's expulsion uh, lend itself to the president being able to make a statement like this, or, as you just suggested a few minutes ago, or are these two things probably unrelated? First thing, uh, when we when we think about Nachum, when we think about the, the expulsion of Amona, just just one more image for you. Imagine the jihadists, you know, sitting in, in, in some some place, 
you know, in Shechem or in Hebron or, or in uh, eastern Jerusalem, and just looking at us kicking our own people out of, uh, you know, a land that, that our own government sent them to and have, they've been there for, for, for 15, 20 years, and they're just laughing. Like, our, our enemies are just laughing at us, and they're thinking, this is great. We don't even have to do anything. Let's just let the Jews uh, uh, get rid of, uh, destroy these communities themselves. They'll, they'll do it eventually if we just keep up this propaganda that, it, that it's ours and, and the Zionists are, uh, are occupiers and foreigners. And, and similarly, too, uh, with Elor Azariah, the soldier who shot the the downed terrorist who basically executed him from uh, seven minutes after or eleven minutes after uh, he had fallen, right. um, you know the the, the the first the jihadist that came to kill the Jewish soldiers he was uh, neutralized, but then in the second round of the war in what I call the narrative warfare or the media warfare we lost that one we 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 hanged our own soldier needs to say we did the work of the jihad for us they wanted to destroy him. And they didn't get him on the first round, but they got him on the second round. But, but this time, we're the ones who were, who were doing the execution. So, you know, there's, we fall into a horrible trap of empowering and doing ourselves what the jihad and, and other, you know, anti-Israel forces would do, I think, anyway. What do you uh, think? Regarding it, to, right. What do you think of the Trump statement? To, with regarding to President Trump, first thing, I think that there was general excitement. Uh, it's important to remember that Israel is a sovereign country. When we have to make our own decisions... And uh, President Trump is the president of the free world of America, but he's not the prime minister of the state of Israel. It's important that Israel acts and remembers that it has to act independently. And we kind of learned that in the Obama era, that we have to act independently and we have to be more robust in our policy and, and do what we need to do in order to protect ourselves. With regarding to, to President Trump, there was excitement uh, that President Trump would be not antithetical to to, to the progress of Jews in Judea and Samaria or to the right of, of Jerusalem to be recognized as, as the capital of the state of Israel. Um, and that basically he wouldn't obstruct any longer. He wouldn't obstruct any longer what other presidents of the United States have been doing, which is obstructing, for example, the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. I must say here, just in quick parentheses, that it's not President Trump who will potentially move uh, the embassy to Jerusalem. He will not do no such thing. It's the will of the American people, as expressed in the 1995 uh, Jerusalem Embassy Act, which was signed by two houses of Congress and a president. It's the will of the American people to move the embassy to Jerusalem. And the other presidents have been obstructing it. All we're looking for from President Trump is don't obstruct it any longer. With regard to this report in the Jerusalem Post, which has been widely quoted, I don't know. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see what the reality is. Uh, one of the things about President Trump is that uh, it was said during the campaign that his detractors took him, uh, took him uh, not seriously, literally and not seriously. Right. But his supporters uh, take him seriously but not literally. Right. We'll see. To me, I very much doubt that his vice president, Mike Pence, is going to is going to be in favor of a two-state solution and stopping the quote-unquote settlement. I, I, we know Mike Pence for a long time. Uh, we know we even know President Trump for a long time. Jewish people, especially many people in your audience, know this man very very well. And so, um, I'm, I'm you know so so the Jerusalem Post quoted somebody. Who knows if that's not a political spin to, to get people off his back? I really don't know. I want to remind you, by the way, that the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to tell Israel all the time, he said, don't announce settlements. Just build. Right. <laughs> Just build. Right. Don't talk about it. Just do it. He, he always used to tell that to, to, to the state of Israel. I think that's the, you know, the, the best recommendation. Just move on with the process and try to get it off the radar screen and just try to keep moving.
You still there, Yishai? Yishai Fleischer from Israel. I have a feeling that uh, things went uh, dead on his end here uh, regarding his phone line. It is uh, America. Let's see if we can reconnect to him. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the uh, beloved NSN app. I want to thank those who are um, who are listening around the world on the NSN app and those who are ooh, those who are commenting. Our call did not go through. Maybe may a permanent problem here with our phone system with you. Shall we give it one more shot before we move on? Want to congratulate Devorah Leitner. Devorah Leitner is today's big winner. Devorah Leitner won the uh, 22-inch Weber grill. Yeah, looks like we're having trouble getting through. Uh, all right, Yishai Fleischer joined us, and I thank him very, very much uh, for his insight. He's spokesman for the holy city of Hebron, speaking to us today from Yerushalayim. His perspective on Amona, his perspective on the President Trump and building in Israel, and I thank him. Weekly update with Malcolm Honline returns next week. Malcolm is traveling this week uh, with the President's Conference, not able to join us. Schedule did not work out. He will rejoin us, Erev Tubishvat, next Friday morning, during our Tubishvat special, in fact, here at JM and the AM. So make sure to be tuned in, and we will have that uh, conversation for you uh, next week. Plenty more coming up in the 8 o'clock hour as we continue with a JM and the AM Friday. A reminder, we have an amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos music mix that I hope you uh, take complete advantage of. <clears throat> Our Erev Shabbos music mix starts after Naomi Nachman's show reaches its conclusion. And um, that happens, uh, her show happens at 9 a.m. Eastern time right after JM and the AM. Then we go to um, our Erev Shabbos music mix plus the live lunch with Mark Zamek at 12 noon. It is an unbelievable soundtrack for an Erev Shabbos. Uh, Dr. Hirschhorn and I uh, saw each other last night. He was telling me, how his Fridays are enhanced by our incredible music mix. Yours can be as well. Plenty more coming up. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
p.m. in the a.m. Uh, weekly update returns next week. Malcolm Holine is traveling, not able to join us. I want to thank Ishai Fleischer for joining us earlier from Jerusalem. Got his perspective on what's happening in Israel on this uh, amazing world of ours. I thank him. I want to congratulate listener Michael up in Waterbury, Connecticut. He won the live lunch contest yesterday. A big thank you to Kevin from Eden Walk in Midtown Manhattan, uh, Elon Kornblum, Great Kosher Restaurants, and, of course, Miltz from Chicago, who was in New York City yesterday. Uh, we had an amazingly good time uh, on the air and off the air with the whole Miltz pop-up at Eden Walk. So big yeshikach, and, and congratulations to Michael up in Waterbury. Congratulations to Devora. Brooklyn, New York, got the uh, got the grill. Hundreds of entrants, and she got it. Uh, Abels and Hyman with our countdown to Super Bowl Sunday and the Kosher Halftime Show. They provided the uh, Weber 22-inch grill. Congratulations going out to Devora L. in Brooklyn, New York, winner of the uh, contest. And a big thank you to Abels and Hyman. Don't forget, our Facebook update page has recipes and party ideas for you for Super Bowl Sunday, courtesy of Abels and Hyman, a delicious meat company. Uh, by the way, this announcement, of course, dedicated uh, to uh, Ellen Leibowitz of Staten Island from all of us here at JM and the AM. Want to wish a mazel tov uh, to Yitzchak Hagler, his uh, bar mitzvah taking place this Shabbos. We are looking forward uh, to celebrating with the Hagler family, to Chavi and Rabbi Chaim Hagler out in Teaneck, New Jersey. Very much looking forward to celebrating with them this Shabbos. Mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Mazel tov to Gila Klibanoff and Rabbi Mrs. Klibanoff. In Livingston, the big bat mitzvahs this Shabbos. We say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So much going on, so much happening. Kosher Halftime Show stars Arye Kunstler. We make that available Sunday night. When you see it on the Nahum Single Network Facebook page, uh, when you see it in the um, uh, on our website at nahumsegal.com, please, please not only watch it and enjoy it, but share it and send it around the world that all your friends know about it. Uh, it is a great show. It is a great show. Thank you to Courtside Grill. They were our host last Saturday night as we recorded it out in the Five Towns. Thank you to Gotta Get a Bagel. Um, uh, Joel and Cheryl Baruch out in the Five Towns. Thank you to a Great Kosher Restaurants, Elon Kornblum, the Jewish Star, uh, Ed Weintraub and Celia Weintraub. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the Long Island Herald. They had a great article about it. Thank you to our sponsors, Nefesh Benefesh and the American Committee for Shari Medical Center. Their commercials are phenomenal for this Sunday, by the way. I think phenomenal, really touching. Uh, thank you to Mayor Cruder and Cruder Photography, one of our great sponsors of the event. And, uh, of course, Mayor Cruder was there documenting the whole thing. So uh, it's just amazing. Uh, we have a, an amazing kosher halftime show. Look for it on Sunday, everybody, as you're enjoying the game, no matter who you're rooting for. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night. Matis with JM Sunday coming up on Sunday morning at 7. That is live. Thank you, Matis. Uh, big, big, big Arab Shabbos music mix presented by our friends at Kedem. Uh, that happens um, every single Friday right after Naomi Nachman's uh, table for two. And... I uh, want to remind everybody that Mark Zamek has been hosting and continues to host a Friday live lunch at 12 noon Eastern time. An amazing Friday live lunch. Make sure you tuned in on the phone or uh, through the app or through the web radio, whatever you, through the computer, whatever method you use. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candle lighting at 4.57 on this Erev Shabbos in the New York area. Turn Super Bowl Sunday into Super Monday. Support American friends about Teret Kohanim as they celebrate United Jerusalem's 50th anniversary. They'll be at Courtside Grill. This coming Monday night on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst, go to JerusalemChai.org, JerusalemChai.org for all the information on that. By the way, I saw Shopsy Schreier last night at the YU game, 
and uh, he's man of the year for the Achiezer event. Uh, and I congratulated him in person. We spoke about him and the other honorees yesterday morning. And a lot of excitement for this event. A lot of excitement. If you haven't yet booked your reservation for the 26th of February, achiezer.org. Go to achiezer.org. Book your, um, book your uh, uh, reservations for that amazing dinner. You'll be glad you did. And mazel to all the honorees from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, a really wonderful collection of people that they're paying tribute to uh, that night. By the way, uh, a couple of other items in our community calendar that I wanted to mention. Uh, let me get to this for a second. Um, first of all, don't forget Shoot for Shalom has their big basketball tournament on the 12th of February. We'll talk more about this on Monday. You can go to shootforshalom.com for information. Don't forget the Super Challah Bowl Sunday Bake is the Super Bowl Challah Mega Challah Bake, the world's largest for kids, is this Sunday, 11 a.m. until 12.30 at the Grand Hyatt Hotel on East 42nd Street in New York City. Keep that in mind. Don't forget the Congregation Talmud Torah Flatbush is going to be um, showing the Prime Ministers a two-part film series tomorrow night at 8 p.m. and February the 11th at 8 p.m., two parts. You can head over to the shul tomorrow night. There will be tickets available for that at the door if you haven't gotten your tickets yet. All right, lots happening here at JM and the AM. Congratulations again to Devorah L. of Brooklyn, New York, for winning the uh, winning the contest courtesy of Abels and Hyman for the Weber 22-inch grill. Congratulations on that. And um, uh, we are going to try to incorporate more and more contests, which seem to be, for good reason, just welcome a welcome they they seem to be very much welcomed by our audience and appreciated by our audience because they are a lot of fun and we're trying to incorporate even more and more as the weeks go by friday morning broadcast it's jam and the aim and again a reminder that malcolm Honline returns next week with the weekly update here at jm in the am at this time each and every friday every erev shabbos with great pleasure we present rabbi benjamin Uden spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's bow. Pasha's bow contains the last three makos that Hashem brings upon the Egyptians. Pasha's bow, according to the Chinuch, contains 20 mitzvos. We are off and running with mitzvos. There are nine positive mitzvos and 11 restrictions in this parsha. You have, one, the first mitzvah that was given to the Jewish nation as a nation in Egypt, and that is the mitzvah of the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar is a composite of both lunar and solar. Lunar in the sense that our months follow the moon, and the lunar year is 354 days. Hence, we also follow the solar calendar, because otherwise we'd lose 11 days a year, and Pesach would not be in the springtime. And in at least three different places in the Torah, the Torah insists that Pesach be observed in the spring. You have many of the laws of Pesach, both those laws that were unique to the 
Pesach in Mitzrayim, as well as those laws that are Pesach Doros throughout the generations. And finally, at the end of the parsha, you have the mitzvah of Tefillin. I'd like to call your attention to a very interesting phenomena, and let's focus for a moment on the very first, what we would call Seder. I don't believe they had all the different steps of the Seder as we do, but let's focus on the meal, the celebration that the Jewish people had in Egypt on the night (coughs) that preceded their liberation and exodus from Egypt, on the 9th of the 15th of Nisan. The Torah tells us, They were to eat the meat of the Korban Pesach on this night. Now, the Torah tells us they were to eat it with matzah, they were to eat it with moror. The question is, when was this eaten? And whereas Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that one could fulfill the mitzvah of Korban Pesach, the Paschal Lamb, throughout the night of the 15th, we try exceedingly hard and that's why we eat our afikoman before mid the night, before chatzos. We, fought, we try to comply with the other opinion, that of Rabbi Lezah ben Azariah, that the Korban Pesach is eaten before chatzos. I'd like to suggest one of the reasons why. Aside from the psukim cited in the Gemara, a very interesting historical phenomena. If I were to ask any of you, why are we sitting down to a Pesach Seder? You'll answer me, we are remembering, we are reliving, we are commemorating that great event which took place in Egypt on this night. Wonderful. However, listen carefully. When they ate the Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim, prior to Chatzos, prior to mid the night, nothing had yet happened. The Torah tells us in this week's parsha of Bo, and it was literally at mid the night. And Hashem Mitzrayim. And God literally smote all the firstborn that were in Egypt. And not only the firstborn that were in Egypt, the rabbis tell us if there was a firstborn of Egypt who was traveling abroad, he died over there. Amazing. And now watch. That, that happened at mid the night. We ate and celebrated prior to midnight. So if you could ask any one of those participants in the very first Pesach Seder of the Jewish history, what are you celebrating? What would their answer be? 
unlike our answer that we celebrate what Hashem did for us, they would answer, we are celebrating what He will do for us. What an incredible idea. The Jewish people in Mitzrayim celebrated their emuna. They celebrated their bitachon. They celebrated their faith in God by first of all slaughtering the Egyptian god, realizing that it was defenseless in saving itself. They roasted it so that the odor and aromas should waft and the Egyptians should understand exactly what we did. But it's not only our rejection of the Egyptian god, it is our affirmation of our, not just optimism, our belief that Hashem was going to redeem us, which indeed He did. And I'd like to point out that there are several other practices that we do throughout the year, as well as on the night of the Pesach Seder, which reflects just this emuna and bitachon. Watch. If I were to ask anybody, why are you washing your hands with a cup in a ritual fashion prior to your eating of bread? Your hands are clean. Why wash your hands? The Talmud tells us, and the term, interestingly, is called srach truma. And this is found in the Gemara Chagiga, 17b. It's found in the Gemara Chulin, 107a. The idea is as follows. When we had a Beis Amigdash, the Kohen ate special food, which the Jewish farmer in Israel gave him, approximately 2% of his produce. That's called Shruma. Before the Kohen could eat that food called Shruma, he had to wash his hands. Today, we don't have the institution of Shruma in that we give it to the Kohen. We still designate from the produce of the land of Israel, Trumos and Masros, but we don't give it to the Kohen. So, the Chachamim wanted that the Kohanim should be prepared that please God, tomorrow there's going to be the third Beis Amigdash. And when we have the third Beis Amigdash, we want the Kohanim to be in shape. We want them to be prepared. We want them to be familiar with the laws of Natilas Yodayim. So think about it. For almost 2,000 years, all of the Jewish people have been washing their hands because if only the Kohanim would have washed, this would have been long forgotten because the Kohanim represent a small minority of the Jewish people. So we wash our hands. And washing the hands is not enough. If we would only wash our hands without a bracha, this practice would have died a long time ago. We recite a blessing. Amazing. What's the significance of this blessing? We are affirming 
affirming our optimism. We're affirming our emuna that, please God, there will be a third base Hamigdash. The Kohanim will be eating truma. The Kohanim need to know this, and we keep it along. Everybody has salt on their table, please God, tonight for the Shabbos meal. Do you dip the challah? Do you not dip the challah? Etc. That's secondary. But I can only tell you that the Shulchan Aruch tells us in Simon Kuf Samach Zion that having the salt on the table is, says the Ramah, in Halacha Hey, Mikomakom Mitzvah Al Kol Shulchan Melach. Make sure the salt is there. Why? Kodem Sheyibsa before you cut the challah. Because our dining room table, our table that we eat our Shabbos meal, is compared to the altar. The achila and our eating is like a korban. And the Torah says in Parshas Vayikra, I'll call korbancha takriv melach. There is to be salt accompanying the korbanos. Amazing. What is this telling us? We're simply reliving that which we had in the past. We had a base Migdash, and therefore we are rem- remembering it. Yes, but more important, there will be that third base Migdash. There will be that restoration of Korbanos. There will be that salt on the Mizbeach again. Your having salt on the table tonight is again your optimism that this is what's going to be in the future. And finally, if you want to look at Jewish history, take a look at the in, in Pashas Ekev, where the Torah has the second paragraph of the Shema. And the Torah tells you, unfortunately, if you're going to stray from the Torah, you're going to be driven out of the land. And what's right after that? The Torah says, put on tefillin. Teach Torah. Put a mezuzah on your door. What's the connection of this flow? You're going to be driven out of the land. Put on tefillin, Torah, mezuzah. Rashi says something which is incredible. This is chapter 11 in Devarim, verse 18. Bring the Rashi to the table. Even after you are driven out of the land of Israel, be careful and scrupulous in your performance of mitzvos. Why? Put them on the tefillim. Mezuzos. Mezuzos on your door. So that when you come back to the land of Israel, which is the primary place of the observance of mitzvot, not the chas v'shalom, outside of Israel we don't perform mitzvot. Of course we do. But our performance of mitzvot, Rashi says, is once again an affirmation in our very strong belief that there will be the geula, the redemption is going to come. So what you have in Parshas Bo is this fantastic idea. The first Pesach, they celebrated Emuna that they will be freed, and we do so much throughout the year. We end every Shemona Esrei, Sheyabana Beis HaMikdash, Shabbat Shalom to all. Zor mi shalom, shalom achal nu, 
J.M. in the A.M., the uh, NCSY Bencher app with Aryeh Kunstler, the star of the uh, Kosher Halftime Show 2017, coming up on Sunday. Uh, there he is with Tormi Shalow, and we're dedicating that to our friends in Charlotte, North Carolina, Sean and Andy and the Oppenheims, and of course everybody else uh, mentioned the NCSY Bencher app when we were down in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago. 
And uh, what an amazing community, a small but amazing community that continues to grow in every which way. Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candlelighting at 457 on this Erev Shabbos. Well, he is one of the greatest basketball players in the history of Yeshiva University. He's also an amazing person. He's also the father of three current uh, Yeshiva University Maccabee basketball players, believe it or not. Lior Hode is with us live via telephone. Lior Boker Tov, welcome to JM in the AM. Welcome to you also. Appreciate that very much. Congratulations. Last night I was there when Yeshiva University won yet another Skyline Conference game. It must make for a very nice night when the Hode family can go home with a big victory. It's always good when it's uh, before Shabbat and uh, you go home and you talk about it. It's just uh, an unbelievable time right now. It is an unbelievable time. The team is playing great. It's amazing to watch them. I've been able to convince at least a few listeners to come on down and see what it's all about. And uh, we just hope, like last year, we're just hoping they can go as far as possible. There's no, there's not, there, we, we have no idea how far this team can go, right? This, this team is really unbelievable. We have such a nice uh, guys on the team. I think the key here is that we have a guy like Mikey Berg, who's the glue to the team. And uh, I call him Mr. Crafty, because when you watch him play, he doesn't care about his stats. But somehow, everybody just move around him. He gets everybody going. And, again, this team is all about the chemistry, about how the guy talk to each other and react on the court. It's amazing. Yeah, real amazing. They look like an amazing group and just wonderful kids. Speaking of wonderful kids, you have the you and your wife, Janet, have the unique distinction of having been eyewitness, as I was, I'm so glad, <laughs> to, to three Hode brothers, in your case, three Hode children, being on the court at the same time, this happened last week, uh, it, was, it was quite a moment when, when all this occurred. You have three sons on the same YU team, and I'm sure you've been thinking for months about the possibility of them entering a game together. This is just amazing. You know, first of all, I'm going to go on record that beyond every great man, there's a great woman. So <laughs> my wife has a lot to do with this uh, transaction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just amazing. You know, I, I live, we both of us live to our kids. Uh, when I play ball, it was amazing. I accomplished a lot in my life, in business, etc. But there's really nothing better to being out there and seeing the fruit of your labor succeeding. And it's not about the scoring or the assist or all that stuff. It's the complete package. And I'm just thrilled. I'm, 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 I'm living my life journey to my kids, to my friends. This is an unbelievable time for me right now. It is incredible. Um, I, I, can't, I mean, you know, the proverbial question, you know, what did it feel like when you saw this happening? But I'll ask it differently. How did the kids react? What, what was the three brothers, Jordan, Justin, Tyler, what was their reaction after this whole thing occurred? That's really interesting because, you know, when you speak to them after the game, they all grew up very close to, together. And they all were the same size, going up. And you know, you see Jordan is like the captain of the team. Right. He's you know he's in managing this boat. And then outside, they're all hugging each other. And 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 and, and it, this is just I can I have nothing to compare it against. You know, I played with my brother for you know three years. Right. But this is just unbelievable. This is just amazing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm shocked. You were you were playing for YU in the what would we call it, the late eighties, right? Would that be accurate? Uh, yeah, from eighty four to eighty eight. Yeah. And, you know, again, so typically I'm curious, uh, the big differences, maybe it's a general difference in terms of college ball, you know, in general in this country, but, you know, how different is the game that your kids are playing compared to what you did uh, on the Yeshiva University campus? So actually, it's very, it's actually an excellent question. So the way I look about basketball today is that, 
in today's world, you have to compete with a cell phone and Facebook. So the athletes, the kids, okay, have to manage your time differently than when I manage it. When I was playing ball, you know, we didn't have all this stuff. So my idea of socializing and, and getting out there is putting my time on the court. So now what's happening is you have a lot more quality players who dedicated themselves to playing ball, and, uh, and you can actually see it. I think the, the game got a lot faster. Uh, you still have the guys that can jump and can shoot, but it's more about the preparation. It's all about the scouting. It's all about um, you know, being ready for the next time, and, and they put a lot of effort. Those kids get up in the morning uh, you know, four or five times a week, and, and, and uh, when, we, when we played, it was, we practiced at night two, three times, sometimes depending on, on the game. The game completely changed. I, I keep saying that our Division two at that time is our Division three today. That's the way I look at it. Wow, that's quite a statement, to say the least. The uh, basketball legend, Yeshiva University legend, Lior Hode, is with us live via telephone. Uh, he and his wife, Janet, are not only at every game, but they were at the game last week where their three sons are, were playing at the same time on the same court, which was a big deal for the NCAA. It's only happened a handful of times, and as far as you know, it's never happened in Division Three before, right? That's correct. It never happened in Division Three. It's happened uh, three times in Division One in 1954-55 and uh, in 2011 with Duke. And, um, you know, when, you, when, you, when we go back, when Tyler was born... We used to kid around and say, wouldn't it be wonderful if they can all play together? And then they went to play for Yavne, and then before you know they play for Frisch. Right. But we're never on the same team in that level. I mean, they play in the JCC League together, etc. And then as, as it gets closer, and, and, and they say, wow, this is, could really happen. And, you know, it's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, when the fourth son is born into a sports-oriented family, we, we had that situation. So everyone's like, oh, you have a basketball team. And when the really large families, oh, you finally have a baseball team. But you really do. You really actually have the team. Which is I, mean, I, I want you to know that there's another piece of the uh, missing from this equation. I also have a daughter who's up to be a fabulous basketball player, too. I didn't realize she plays ball. She's 25. She's actually stopped playing again in the women's league in the old, the old Frisch gym. And... When she was in high school at Frisch, the first three years she was uh, the, the team was uh, the won the first three championship game, and then senior year they didn't do as well. But she's very active, very athletic. You know, she's she's amazing. You know, I don't forget about Samantha. She's she's the, she's the best daughter I have. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Big shout out to Samantha. Lior Hode is with us. You know, I, I I've been successful. Thank God, I've been successful. It's certainly in a handful of cases. To convince people out there, even those not affiliated with YU or, or those who have no history with YU, why it's such an amazing feeling sitting there and watching the Yeshiva boys play. From your perspective as a player, is, is, it must be a big difference if there's an extra hundred people in the gym. Am I right? This, this is, I mean, I can't even describe it, right? When, when we played, again, people didn't have enough in other areas to get distracted, so we used to get very distant crowds. Now it's a little bit more of a challenge because, you know, again, you're competing for people for time, but I will never forget the last playoff game last year. I mean, you were oh, there. Oh, is that amazing? It was, it was, I mean, if I can pay to have everybody just come over there, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea. We'll throw a big party the next <laughs> few home games. Let's fill the place up. The players feel it. The community feels it. Let's, let's make something out of it. Let's go. It really is incredible. And now, as we see, they're marching toward the playoffs. And there's a game, a home game next Thursday night, meaning this coming Thursday night. There's a home game. And I know there's a Saturday night game coming up as well uh, toward the end of February. So everybody just look at the YU schedule, and obviously I will remind everyone. And finally, Lior, uh, I'm so curious, especially because, well, in past years, I think there have been even more, but there still are some now, students from outside the United States who come to play ball 
with YU. Now, I don't remember exactly, you know, when you got to the U.S. and, and you know, uh, had, had left Israel but, and, and to come over here. But what is that adjustment like? Is, is it, 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 I would assume it's much different than, than the American kid who's coming to the Washington Heights campus to take on a, a basketball challenge. Well, when, when I first started out, the, the, the gym wasn't there. So my, my freshman year, we had to go to um, George Washington High School. Right. So it was very hard to recruit. And, you know, Coach uh, Johnny Halpert, uh, we had, had a hard time getting people to come. But once the, the gym uh, was built, it was, makes it a little bit easier. And, and um, you know what? Look, if you want to play an organized Jewish ball and, 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 and religion is very important to you and you want to be part of a nice program, YU is really the only game in town when it comes to that. You know, so, so to me, it's all about you playing for your people, you, you're a target, you're always a target. You know, you talk about anti-Semitism, et cetera. When we step on the court, we're representing not just ourselves, but also the community, the community, the Jewish people. You know, you can go on and on and on. And to me, that was always my motivator. When I played, I always played with Yamakawa in my hands, even before I was religious. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a special, uh, you know, it's a special thing to, to go out there. And, and, and it's not just a basketball, to me, it's not just a basketball game. It's about a lot more than that. So I was very successful. I had you know wonderful career. I'm, you know, I have my wife, my kids, you know, my business, etc. You know, it's all good. That's why I trademark. It's all good because it's all good. It is all good. I admire your perspective. Uh, it, it, it is so true that those young men are representing the Jewish people. I don't know if all of them get that, uh, but it's a message I've been trying to uh, transmit for a very, very long time. And when they do recruit. To South American students, Israeli students, and tell them that the adjustment will not be difficult. You do agree with that? That there is a way to ease into the whole situation? It absolutely agree. You know, basketball is a way. I, I use sport as an analogy, as a way to communicate with people. Even in my life in business, you know, there's something very special in getting a bunch of uh, uh, players together and, and and having believe in a common goal. Um, I, look, everybody has different journey throughout their life. Right. You know, some people are more religious, some people are not religious at all. When right. I came to YU, I was nothing. I mean, there's a whole story behind that also. But I believe if you believe in a common goal, and the sky's the limit, and I think Elif is doing a great job in motivating those kids, and you, you never know what's going to happen two, three, four years from now when a guy who was in religious goes to YU, and then later on says, you know what, my life has changed, let's try a different route. Right. So, by the way, I the, the the team was hitting so many threes last night. I actually saw Coach Steinmet smile at some point. Could you imagine? It's unbelievable. <laughs> Look, we have a great we have a great shooters on this team. Oh. I mean, Judah Halpert and 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 and, 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 and Judah, I'm sorry, Judah Cohen and right. Simcha and some of the guys. By the way, speaking of Judah, I just want to do a special shout out to his grandfather and Norman, who's a, is in a, in the Jewish home in Rockley. Uh, Norman is my uh, travel teammate for the past couple of years. He's the guy who my wife and I goes to all the games. Mm. He had problem with his legs, so he's, he still watched the game from you know from uh, from the from the bed. And of course, my father moved to Israel last year. Okay, he used to come for us to all the games. So that's the two people that I'm kind of missed. They used to sit next to us. So it, you know, it's, it's it's crazy. Oh, big shout out to them. And oh, and I I didn't even realize you know me and my son have been admiring Judah Cohen's work for the last month. I didn't even realize he's Deborah and Teddy's son from Passaic, New Jersey. So he has great pedigree as well. Just wonderful people out there in Passaic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Lior Hode, basketball legend for Yeshiva University as they continue their march to the playoffs. And Lior, of course, as we said, and his family uh, really celebrated an incredible milestone when uh, Jordan, Justin, and Tyler appeared in the same game at this, on the same court at the same time 
last week. Lior Mazaltov on that. Thanks so much for joining us. Any other shout-outs, or we covered everybody? I would like to say a shout-out for my coach. For, for, I keep calling coach Johnny Halpert and Aviva Halpert, who happen to be my chief keeper officer. <laughs> but they're more my role model, my viewers, my parents, and I really miss them. And uh, I just want to thank the community. I want to thank you for coming to the game. And I would like to see if everybody can just come for the next couple of weeks. Let's make something special happen. We're going to try to convince everybody. Tadaraba, Lior, and Shabbat Shalom. Thanks again. Shabbat Shalom to you, too. There he is, Lior Hode, everybody. He played in the uh, late 80s. I don't think he dreamt back then that he'd have three ball players, three sons, on the court at the same time for Yeshiva University. That happened last week. And the team last night. Uh, in general, just played an unbelievable game. It was wonderful to be there. Congratulations to Coach Elliot Steinmetz and to um, the coaching staff and all the players as they continue their march. It's getting it's getting uh, really exciting. It's February in the NCAA, so it is getting very exciting watching uh, Yeshiva University play uh, the way they are playing. More coming up as we start to wrap up a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. That's Ohad, of course, off of the uh, Segula album here at JM in the AM. Ready to wrap things up. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candle lighting at 457 in the New York area. Uh, tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 9 p.m. Sunday morning, Matis at 7 a.m. Eastern Time with JM Sunday. That show's done live. Thank you, Matis. Sunday night, we will not have a fresh court report. Fresh court report will be on Tuesday. It is Super Bowl Sunday, so the Kosher Halftime Show will be on the stream at 8 p.m. You'll hear the audio at 8 p.m. Probably will play it at least twice during that hour. Kosher Halftime Show can be seen at NahumSiegel.com. can be seen on our Facebook page, Nahum Siegel Network. It's sponsored by our friends, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center, Nefesh Benefesh, the Jewish Star, Great kosher restaurants, got to get a bagel in the five towns, courtside grill in the five towns, Mayor Kruder and Kruder Photography. I want to thank both ZK and Mutti Engel for all their last-minute work and all the work they did in general. And, of course, the R.E.A. Kunstler and the Evan Al Orchestra. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Big thank you to Abels and Hyman, who's helped us uh, count down to Super Bowl Sunday and the Kosher Halftime Show. Uh, thank you for the Weber Grill that was awarded to listener Devora L. earlier today uh, as a winner of the contest. And uh, yesterday, Nissim Black was scheduled to be in our studio. We're going to try and uh, replay, or I should say, reschedule him uh, for another day coming up here at JMNAM. Don't forget today, Naomi Nachman, her encore of the Chopped competition coming up next. That was from Gourmet Glot, the recent Chopped competition that's coming up next at 9 a.m. Arab Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem begins after that. Live lunch for a Friday brought to you by our friends at Kedem, hosted by Mark Zamek uh, right after that. And, um, again, it's a big weekend for us. Kosher halftime show uh, made available to the public during the game. Enjoy the game, everybody. But, of course, enjoy the Kosher halftime show and encourage everybody you know to watch it. The commercials we've seen so far, a couple of our sponsor commercials we've seen so far, really inspiring, really good stuff, really good stuff. So I thank all of our sponsors, and it should be a really fun Kosher halftime show this coming Sunday. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. There's nothing 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Oh, that's right, that beloved NSN app. And I thank everybody who's been commenting on that app all through the morning, to say the least. And that wraps up an amazing week here at JMNAM Kosher Halftime Show Sunday. Don't forget, and of course, all of our great programming coming up next. Naomi Nachman, Table for Two, and then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix Plus. The live lunch in the middle of the day at 12 noon Eastern Time with Mark Zamek. Um, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. Sunday morning, Matis on Super Bowl Sunday. He'll remind everybody about the Kosher Halftime Show. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. So many amazing things going on. And I thank you all for tuning in and being part of the action. Thank you to State Senator Simcha Felder. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to Lior Hode, all of our guests this morning here at Jen Rabbi Yudin, of course, here at JMNAM. I thank them all. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Until next time, it's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.